Hello and welcome to episode 40 of Coffee with Kush. We are starting a series now, which is like psychological principles in marketing. I love psychology. Like even when I was young, I used to read psychology. I studied psychology at A-level and um, didn't carry on in university, but I continued to like read around all sorts of elements of psychology. I loved like psychological principles in real applications. So I loved books like um, Freakonomics and uh, uh, Influence and the Power of Persuasion, Robert Cialdini. That was such a great book. Um, and so I continued to read, uh, and I still do, actually. I find those books really interesting, how like human behavior is so malleable, so, so predictable, actually. And whether you're conscious of it or not, in marketing, Psychological principles are used all the time. In this episode, we're going to just focus on one. And we're going to just keep doing this until I kind of run out of psychological principles to talk about, to be honest. So I'm not even sure how many is going to be in this series, but we're just going to keep going uh, probably one a week until uh, until I've run out of principles to talk about or until um, I've just run out of things to talk about. So I'm going to start with um, reciprocity, the concept of reciprocity. So as a psychological principle, Reciprocity is essentially the feeling that you must do something for someone if they've done something for you. And there are so many examples in real life. So in Arab cultures, for example, there's this concept that if a neighbor brings you a plate of food, which happens regularly, right? So, you know, they'll cook something, they'll, they'll put a plate together and they'll give you that plate as your neighbor. And the concept is that you can't return a plate of food empty. And it translates directly like that. You can't return a plate of food empty. So um, that's like a, a, an example. I think you'll you'll have lots yourselves as well of, of examples of reciprocity. And it stems from our history, right, as human beings. I mean, until we had money, uh, and even for a long time after we had sort of currency in, in forms of gold and silver coins and things, um, the barter system worked. And the, the exchange system works. So there was, you know, it's a very much part of our DNA that if something is given, then the receiver expects or it has an expectation that he must give something in return. And so this principle has been in our history since forever. And, uh, and of course, marketers use it on a, on a daily basis. And you may not even be aware of how marketers are using the principles of reciprocity, but we're going to go through them and you'll be able to spot them pretty easily after, after this podcast. There are a lot of advantages to reciprocity, right? So it builds relationships. You know, I think that whenever there is an exchange, there is a, an Arabic saying, which, which is essentially, directly translates to, we have shared salt. Okay. What it really means is that if you've sat at a dinner table with somebody, the act of sitting at their dinner table and eating with them is a milestone in the progression of that relationship, a very significant milestone. Um, it would be very difficult for you to do something against that person after you have shared salt. Or um, I think uh, break bread is another, another example of that. You know, it's very difficult to sort of cross those social boundaries after you've eaten with someone. And so, you know, the act of reciprocity builds personal relationships, builds interpersonal relationships. And, and often it triggers emotions too, 
right? So there's this great episode of The Office, the American version of The Office, where um, Dwight comes in and uh, brings everybody bagels in the office. And he goes around. And it's a really like, contrived and obvious thing that he's doing. He goes around and he says, hey, guys, I went all the way to New York and I got everyone fresh baked bagels. And he hands them out. And as one takes the bagel, he says, you owe me. And then he keeps going around. And he says, there you go. Enjoy your bagel. Just don't forget you owe me. And then when he gets to Andy, Andy uh, takes it and... Um, Dwight says, don't forget you owe me. Now, Andy, you know, a bit neurotic, he's like, well, I hate being in debt to anyone. So what does Andy do? He takes his briefcase and he shines his briefcase. And then he says, look, thank you for the Babel. Here's what I did. And then this sort of continues for a while where they keep doing one-upmanship on reciprocity. And that's like a really... Um, it's kind of a humorous way of demonstrating the principle that kind of exists within all of us. There is definitely an element that within, within all of us, it would be difficult to just accept gifts from people. And there's lots of science behind this as well. It's not just like um, theory. There's a lot of science behind it. But there, there are a lot of long-term benefits that arise from reciprocity. Again, like building closer relationships is really valuable. And again, I'm deliberately not talking about marketing yet because to a large extent, marketing has manipulated the, the concept of reciprocity for its own benefit. And, um, and I'm as guilty of that as, as anyone else. I'm just making you aware of what it is that marketers do to utilize this psychological effect. But in the real world, reciprocity helps in building relationships and helps in building trust between people, trust between communities. Um, and so if you, if you go to tribes, even like in Sudan, tribes in Africa um, will, will often exchange gifts um, as a representation of peace, but also a representation of mutual respect. And that, again, it, it like builds those relationships over time. So there are lots of examples of reciprocity in marketing. You've got loyalty programs, uh, free trials, um, you've got uh, free ebooks, uh, webinars, free webinars, free learning, all sorts of stuff. And we're going to get into that in a bit. Uh, but I want to go into a bit of the science of reciprocity because there's like there's so much data uh, around how effective reciprocity is. Uh, I think one of one thing that everyone will be aware of is like um, small things that waiters do in restaurants, particularly in the States, by the way, but um, in restaurants around the world as well. So there was this one study where uh, a waiter would come and the control group was that he would just hand the table the check and then that was the baseline tip. They were waiting, they were measuring tips to the waiter. So that was the baseline of the tip. Then in the second group, he would come with a mint on the tip and you saw a 3% increase in tips when the um, waiter brought a single mint. In the third group, the waiter came, brought a single mint and then came back a few minutes later with one extra mint and put it on the table. And then in, and that saw a 13%, one 3% increase in tips. And then in the final group, the waiter came with the check and a single mint. He put it on the table. He went away. He came back and he vocalized, I've brought you more mints because I see there's more of you on the table. So he personalized the gift, if you like. And that saw the highest increase in um, tips. It was a 20% increase in tips. So uh, 
This is like a really simple example of reciprocity and you'll notice it. You'll notice small things as well when a waiter does a smiley face on your check. There's science behind that. You know, that has proven to increase tips when he brings extra um, entrees or extra sides or when something, you know, something may already come with a dish and he'll say, hey, I brought this to you extra. This is all part of the use of the, t the, the psychological principle of reciprocity in order to get more tips at the end. There's a really famous experiment called the, the Reagan experiment, which is in the 70s, I think it was like 1970 or 1971, where um, they had participants in an art uh, installation and there was uh, a researcher and the researcher would um, strike up a conversation with an individual uh, this was before the times of like psych ethics in psychology and they could basically get away with anything without telling people that they were in fact participants so he would strike up a conversation and um, then he would uh, go away and bring the participant a coke to drink he'd buy himself a coke and then bring the pot say oh, I brought you this uh, an unprompted gift and then later he would ask the participant to buy him a raffle ticket. And those who had received a Coke bought significantly more raffle tickets for the researcher than those who did not receive a Coke. So again, a really sort of simple demonstration of reciprocity. One that everyone will have come across is when you're walking down a high street, the Hare Krishna used this a lot, but you see it in lots of places uh, uh, now, where they will give you a free gift. They'll give you some flowers or they'll give you a book and um, the idea is that by taking that free gift, even though you were unaware it was an unsolicited gift, you are more likely to increase your contributions. And in fact, that's exactly what happens, that you know, contributions increase significantly. Another example is you know, corporate gifting. I remember when I worked at lastminute.com, before we were bought by Sabre Holdings, we, we, we didn't really have a policy around corporate gifts. I used to negotiate contracts, right? So, you know, I would fly into a country and a, a supplier would put me up in a five-star hotel and, and, you know, I was professional, so it made no difference. It was like, it was almost expected. This is kind of what you would expect. You're a buyer and so you're negotiating contract. And then they would give gifts and informally we had this idea that if the, if there was a big gift you would like distribute it around the team and things like that but there was nothing formal about it and then when um saber holdings travelocity bought lastminute.com they implemented a 20 dollar gifting policy so if it was under 20 dollars, you could just keep it if it was over 20 dollars, you had to declare the gift and then it would go into a pot and at christmas it would be distributed to everybody and the point is that um corporate gifting works right so there is definitely an element of reciprocity. Now, I fought very hard against it for ethical reasons. I fought very hard against it, but I know that it works and I know in like my own personal experience, in my own lead generation experience, that corporate gifting, I mean, it really does work. So that's a, a good example of reciprocity as well. Um, finally, uh, there's a, a, a famous experiment by a brand that I'm not going to mention, which is the free ebook uh, experiment. So they sent out a split test email, right? So the first email was their standard email and the second email was offering a free ebook, right? And they had a 50% increase in open rates and engagement as a result of the free ebook offer. So there is definitely like an element of reciprocity that happens just automatically. And there's 
there's like sociological reasons why it happens. There was a benefit to humanity. There still is a benefit to humanity. And you see it in everyday life. Now, how has it been manipulated in terms of being used for, for marketing? So there are lots of ways. Loyalty programs, uh, in referral programs, free trials and samples, corporate gifting and swag. And most commonly now is in content marketing. So let's go through each of these sort of one by one. And we'll start with content marketing. So there's this overarching concept, which I think almost all brands are engaged in now, which is just give value, right? So you give value and you just keep giving value and then customers come. And that is at its base, base level, reciprocity in action. If I keep giving value to you and you keep getting value from me, then at some point, that value exceeds the fact, you know, it, it creates a cognitive dissonance in your mind and you feel the need to reciprocate in some way or other. Sometimes that's becoming a customer, but other times it's just about um, sharing content or leaving a positive review or recommending to a friend or whatever it is. But there, there has to be some element of reciprocation in order for the cognitive dissonance to disappear, to dissipate. So... Really good examples of this are like HubSpot. HubSpot do this fabulously well because behind what appears to be unso- what appears to be unsolicited value that they're delivering to you is actually an incredibly complex and impressive system of behavioral targeting. So they will track your on-site behavior and your um, and your uh, your app tracking or your your online behavior. And they'll deliver content to you at what feels like um, an uncannily perfect time. And your engagement with that content creates a sequence of future content. And so you end up going down this path of getting more and more and more and more and more and more value from HubSpot. Now, they play the long game, right? So HubSpot's content, a lot of HubSpot's content will be for junior marketers, in that, you know, it will be talking about, you know, what are the benefits of CRM systems? How can you use CRM systems to your advantage? How can you use, what is behavioral targeting? All of these things, which are quite base level sort of concepts for junior marketers, but they're playing the long game, right? Because that reciprocity feeling, that still exists when that junior marketer becomes the VP of marketing, right? So they really do play it out over a period. They also obviously target VPs, but um, I remember from early in HubSpot's life cycle, they were doing this. They were really targeting. In fact, they were one of the few. Um, they were one of the few companies to respond to my question around behavioral targeting on Twitter. When was it? Like 2010 or something like that? Like really early on, like. Um, and so they directly responded. They had already set up by that time. Uh, mention tracking or, or whatever it was, and they were they were responding directly. And so another one that does that really well is Acton, uh, the email marketing um, solution. They do that fantastically. They use their own tool, and they 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 eat they drink their own Kool Aid, as they say. And that reciprocity, I have in the past that multiple companies been a customer of HubSpot and of Acton, and I continue to be a number of our clients. You know. A customer of theirs and a recommender of theirs and in part it's because of the value they added to me earlier in my career entirely for free entirely unsolicited and so 
you know, reciprocity really does work in the short term and in the long term. So another example is uh, loyalty programs, right? So look, let's face it, Starbucks doesn't have the best coffee. I mean, it really doesn't. It ain't great. But yet, Starbucks is the market leader by some way. And I'm not saying it's because of loyalty programs. It really isn't. It's uh, overall because of the um, the concept that they've created of the third place. But but loyalty programs have an element, have a part to play here, right? Whenever you go to a Starbucks, I don't have the app, right? So, um, but whenever you go, they say, are you paying by card or by app? They always, I mean, I can go to the same Starbucks a thousand times. He'll still say, you know, why don't you just get the app? And the reason I don't is because um, of reciprocity. Like, I don't want to feel entirely wedded to Starbucks, and yet I still go there because uh, of the Wi-Fi, frankly. Uh, if I want to spend a day working in somewhere else, I'll still go to a Starbucks. So now people often think that the loyalty program, you know, you, you use the app, you get a free coffee every 10 or whatever it is. They think that, um, they're using the way they reconcile that in their mind is that well I'm gonna I'm gonna use I'm gonna keep going to Starbucks because I will get a free coffee ultimately yeah they see it from that perspective but there is another element of play which is simply reciprocity they know that they have in the past collected free coffees and they feel the needs subconsciously to continue to reciprocate and then get that free coffee in return. And that's how loyalty programs essentially work. They leverage, the, in part, they leverage the concept of reciprocity. Referral programs do uh, a similar thing. So Dropbox is a good example because, you know, in Dropbox, if, if I was to refer you to Dropbox, you would get some benefit, extra storage, a discount, whatever it is, but I too would get a benefit right? So given that I've gotten the benefit and you've gotten the benefit, it appears that the only person to have lost out is Dropbox. But of course, they haven't lost out because the cost of acquisition is much, much, much lower through referrals. So in fact, net-net, they're probably better off. But that feeling has created a sense of reciprocity. And therefore, I can continue to do that and feel good, um, both for myself, for the people that I'm referring, and for Dropbox. And then when you go to the mall or you go to a supermarket and someone is handing, you know, crackers and cheese out, uh, those free samples that you nibble on as you're going through a mall. Well, the reason they do that, it's not just about awareness, it's because it works. It works by leveraging the concept of reciprocity. They've given you a free slither of cheese. Okay, now I'm going to go and buy that cheese. And frankly, how good the cheese was is only part of the decision-making process. Like, if you knew a cheese was a 7 out of 10, and you knew another cheese next to it was an 8 out of 10, you'd always go for the 8 out of 10 cheese. But if you were given a free sample of the 7 out of 10 cheese, now it becomes a debate. Well, in your mind, you've gotten something for free from them, surely you should reciprocate, right? And the whole concept of reciprocity in marketing is about leveraging psychological constructs in an inappropriate setting. And this is why it creates such ethical issues, because reciprocity in this context isn't really what it was designed for. Reciprocity as a psychological concept 
we designed it as a species through generations. We designed it, of course, right? It's how, it's how it happened. Nobody consciously did it. It just happened that way. But it was there to build relationships with, with people, with individuals. So, you know, sometimes I have ethical issues with brands that just use it purely to drive short-term sales objectives. Whereas other times, brands, including ours, you know, we use it to build long-term relationships. So how do we use reciprocity? Well, we firstly always go back to the science because if we're going to use any concept, we start at the science. What does the science tell us? And the science tells us that if you're offering something of value, it'll increase your relationship with that um, person. Um, reciprocity doesn't necessarily need to be monetary. It could simply be in terms of referrals or reviews. And if it's personalized, it significantly increases the value. So what do we do as a brand when we're doing sort of lead generation? Well, let's take um, some lead gen activity that we were doing recently for gyms in Saudi Arabia. So what we were going to write a white paper anyway. So we're writing a white paper about gyms in Saudi Arabia. Okay. And in fact, it's sort of leveraged against um, the vision uh, 2030 and how um, fitness and wellness is a major part of that and how gyms are uh, engaging in that process. So given we're going to do that exercise anyway to add value to our existing customers and to future prospective customers, what we do is we reach out to pros prospects that we would like to work with in Saudi Arabia, in the gym industry or in the fitness industry. And we say, we're writing this white paper We'd love to incorporate you in this white paper entirely free of charge with no obligation. Uh, all we need you to do is to confirm whether or not you would like to be in this publication. That's it. That's all we do. And some of them come back and say, yes, we would like to be. And so it costs us nothing to incorporate that brand into this white paper. And once it's done, we send it to them. We don't ask anything of them in return. We don't directly ask anything because... If they feel like they've received value, they'll deliver something in return anyway. And nine times out of 10, by the way, the thing that they return isn't them calling us saying, oh, we'd love to be a customer because, you know, it just, they either have an agency, they have an internal team or whatever. But what they almost always do do is they forward it to other people in the industry that they know that they feel would benefit from it and may benefit from our services. And so subconsciously in their mind, when they're forwarding it, they're forwarding it to people who could become customers and saying, you know, just make sure that you refer the, back to me and say, I got it from there. And by the way, that really works. Yeah, it's not like an explosive new client lead gen technique because we're not that agency that wants five, 500 clients, right? We're an agency that wants to work with a select number of clients and, and sort of work with them to make an impact. But what it does is that it, it kind of allows the market to select the best clients for us without us having to go and hard sell to every client. So clients end up coming to us and then we can have a dialogue on equal terms, which of course creates a much greater, much higher value relationship in the long term. So I think that there are big sort of ethical considerations within reciprocity that most marketers aren't even remotely aware of. Certainly most consumers are not remotely aware of, and that, that's a concern. But hopefully you've learned a little bit about what reciprocity is in terms of marketing, and uh, you'll spot it in the future, and you won't feel any guilt if you decide not to reciprocate, because in the end, companies are, are using this psychological technique to, to make you their customers, to 
get to your hard-earned dollars. So I um, hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, we'll be back with the next of our uh, psychological concepts and how they're applied into marketing next week. <laughs>